You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series. Assault Studios production. Before Felicity Fury became an award-winning business leader and engineer, she was a young girl from Brisbane who loved to learn. Throughout her school years, Felicity recalled getting a sense of enjoyment from listening to her teachers discuss ancient history, biology, arts and maths. It was this variety of subjects that sparked her interest in studying. In this episode, Felicity shares her experiences that have shaped her and allowed her to realise that to become the best person you can be, you need to discover your strengths and really own them. Felicity Fury, thank you very much for sitting down and having a chat. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I was on your website recently and I saw this really interesting video where you were giving a presentation and you mentioned to the audience that if they could cast their mind back to when they were at school and the teacher asked a question and all the hands go up and you get the question wrong, which was a situation that you had. It's a situation many of us have had. What I want to know first is what was the question? I don't know if I can remember the exact question, but I think everyone's had that feeling, you know, when your heart sinks and you go, oh no, I just feel so silly. And, you know, certainly I think it was like year four, I can kind of remember the classroom, can't remember the question, but I just remember even feeling like I'd let my teacher down. So I think we can have these really strong experiences in school that can really shape our future. More important than knowing what the question was is What impact did that have on you? There was a few things that happened, and I think this happens for a lot of people, is you start to make decisions about yourself. So for me, it was maybe I'm not smart enough, maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I need to work harder than everybody else to get the question right. And it kind of impacted my confidence and self-doubt and had me not want to put my hand up and not put myself out there. And is that what happened for you during the course of your education? You just sort of sat back and were, you know, listened to what other people had to say? Yeah, there was for sure a strong people-pleasing strong suit or uh, winning formula that I had of wanting to be everyone's friend, wanting to be liked. I even remember asking someone what I got on their maths test in year seven and they got 16 out of 30 and I got 29 and a half out of 30. And I was so excited about my great mark. But because she was so disappointed about hers, she said, oh, you only asked me that so you could share your mark. And I was just crushed. And I thought maybe I shouldn't, you know, claim I'm good at maths or claim I'm good at science. And there was a lot of wanting to belong and to fit in. And that certainly happened all throughout high school. It even had me think about the subjects I would choose based on what my friends were doing. And then even at university, there was a lot of impacts with um, what I thought about myself, what my strengths were, what I wanted to be like. And I did spend a huge amount of my time growing up trying to be someone that I wasn't just to fit in or feel like I was doing the right thing. So it had a big impact on me. Does that mean you then threw yourself into your studies? And it sounds like you did because you, you weren't necessarily developing those, those friendships with other students? There was a bit of a balance for sure. I think I really wanted to learn a lot from my teachers and so I would really ask them a lot of questions. But there was kind of this balance of I didn't want to look like I was too smart because if I did, I felt like that would kind of have me on the outer as well. So I think I'd kind of gone, okay, I'm just an average student, just kind of blend in, just don't try and stand out too much. And that was kind of my strategy to survive high school, if you will. Looking back on that, are you comfortable with not trying to stand out or do you look at it and you think, well, 
well, no, bugger it, I should have. Totally the second category and I really wish I did and that's my biggest learning. Even when I was in my career, I spent the first good five years trying to be a good engineer, trying to be like the other engineers, have those kinds of skills when I'm actually a really creative person, I'm a people person and a lot of engineers traditionally are very good at detail and calculation and working through detailed problems on their own. And that's kind of almost the opposite of me. So I spent a lot of time even in my career trying to be what I thought I should be. And I really, uh, really regret doing that because I feel like I would have accomplished a lot more earlier if I had actually been true to myself. And that's my biggest advice for, for people today is what are your strengths? Really discover them and own them and figure out your value and how you can share that with other people. How do you think a high school student can do that? It's a tricky question because there's obviously the stuff you have to do at school, but in some ways that's good because I think high school is a lot about just trying different things out and getting that variety. So for me, I pick subjects like ancient history, physics, art, biology, maths, and English. And we had to do religion because that was the, the school that I went to. So I think that variety really helped me think about different options and um, even doing extracurricular activities, whether it's volunteering, playing a musical instrument, doing drama, sport, just trying heaps of stuff out because uh, I think that's the best way to learn what you're good at and what you enjoy by actually doing it. What did you do outside of school hours? I played netball. I got into cross country. So they were my sporting activities. Did a bit of debating. I played trumpet. I played piano. They were the main things. And I think it's actually only been since I got comfortable with myself to try more things. Later on, after finishing school, I really explored a lot more um, because I, I think I spent a lot of time, wasting a lot of time surviving high school, trying to figure out who my best friend was. <laughs> Your grandfather was a a maths teacher and we know you've clearly got a skill set for maths, but what are some of the other subjects that you really enjoyed at high school? I absolutely loved art. Uh, Growing up, my dad, uh, he did a lot of photography and from when we were kids, we actually used to make our own photos at home. And before, you know, you could print photos at home, we'd print them uh, using the full-on setup with um, the printing machines and we'd make our own Christmas cards with a family photo of ourselves. My mum actually studied visual art. She did the stained glass windows in our house. So there was a lot of kind of creativity around growing up. And I really loved uh, loved exploring that in art. And I really love how art can bring all different kind of cultures and perspectives together. So I thought that to be creative, the only way to express that is in art, but there's, there's so many other ways. So I really enjoyed uh, doing that as well as kind of figuring out how the world works with physics and understanding the universe and astronomy and all of the things around biology and things like that. Yeah, right. Okay, that's interesting because, uh, I mean, to me, it seems like you've got two career pathways here. You could go down uh, the artistic one or you could go down the more STEM approach, which is obviously the one you took. How did you get to a point where you decided to, to focus on one over the other? It was a bit by accident and my physics teacher actually suggested that I study engineering and when he first suggested it, I thought he was crazy. I thought you've got to be this super, super smart you know, student. I'm not a super smart student. You've got to get straight A's. I didn't get straight A's. I actually failed a phys- my first physics test in year 12 and I thought it wasn't kind of my, my thing. I didn't want to do maths all day. While I could do it, I didn't love doing maths. So, I didn't think it would be a career path for me. So my first preferences at university were actually arts and science and doing vis- like creative arts and then engineering. But 
the way my marks worked out, I didn't actually have good enough marks to get into arts or science and I got straight into engineering. So I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go. And so I went into my first year and it was actually a really hard first year. Um, There was a lot of maths and physics. I didn't understand why I was learning it. I failed maths in my first year of uni and wasn't really sure if I would continue. Uh, I didn't didn't think it was for me. Was there anyone other than your uh, year 12 physics teacher who was helping you make some decisions about the way forward or was it just literally they mentioned it so you went, yeah, that's as good as any other, I'll go down that path? My school I went to was really great. They said you can do anything and my parents certainly supported that. They were very encouraging me of of doing anything that I wanted to do. I remember my grandmother at the time said, don't boys do that? And I was like, that's a weird thing to say. I don't know, do they? And that was pretty much the only comment I got about engineering. And that's one of the things that I love about my parents is my mother in particular, very non-judgmental. She, I feel like she'll say, okay, and then she'll have her own thoughts and opinions in, her, in the back of her mind, but she won't actually discourage me. She's very supportive, uh, which is impressive because I come up with some crazy ideas and she's like, yeah, you could do that. And I, I kind of almost have it as a bit of a test and think, oh, mom said it's okay. So it must be all right. <laughs> So you front up to university, you're doing a subject which you're, or a course which you're going okay in your subjects, failing some others. Did you ever consider a, a change of plans? At the end of first year, I really did. And two things happened. One is I spoke to a third year student and said, hey, I'm thinking of dropping out. And I remember he said, stick at it. Second year is much more real world. You'll really see why you did all that maths and physics. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And then HEX went up by 25% or help. So literally the fees went up by 25%. And I thought, oh, if I change, I'm going to have to pay all this extra money. But if I stay in my course, I don't. So maybe I'll stick it out, which now seems like a ridiculous reason because I absolutely love engineering. And there was a real turning point for me in my second year where we did do a subject where we were creating a housing estate. And I know that's not the most exciting engineering project. We had to work out where the road should go and where the houses should go. And I learned in that subject that if you create a big, wide, straight road, people will naturally tend to drive faster. But if you put in curves in the road, and even if you narrow the road by painting some white lines, people actually have an experience like the road's more narrow and they should drive slower. So that really clicked for me that engineers design things for people and what we are creating is a world for people and we actually have this direct impact on making the world a better place. And from then on, I thought, oh my gosh, that's why I did all that maths. That's why I've done all these, you know, boring things or repetitive tasks so that I have the information and knowledge to go be an engineer and go shape the world. So that was literally the light bulb moment for you? Yeah. And hooked ever since. And where did that conversation or where did that find that information to, to say about the roads there, which, you know, just completely change your perspective on things? It was literally part of my subject. It was part of what we were learning at university. I still remember my professor, Les Dawes at QUT. I thanked him for this personally because he made such an impact on my life. And it was literally by doing that subject, we went out onto a site visit at Pinjara Hills in Brisbane to look at where the roads should go. And it just really clicked for me in that moment. And I think that's why it's so important that people today know the why of what they're doing, the why of their careers and the impact they can have, because it makes those challenging situations bearable. And you can you can get through those situations because you have that bigger picture focus at the end. 
What's your advice for our listeners who may be in that experience? They're waiting for the the penny to drop, but it hasn't happened. They don't know if it's going to happen. Is there anything they should be looking at or uh, trying to consume in order to to get to a point where it does happen for them? I think it's really taking some time to self-reflect and explore what's really important to you. So it could be something like climate change or the environment or sustainability or having a certain kind of impact. And there's so many different ways to to solve those challenges. I'm personally biased and will say engineering is a great way to do that because of using science and a problem-solving approach. But there's so many different pathways that you can get there. And what I'd really look at is what are your, your what are your strengths and what are your skills. So it might be that you're really great at writing, so you're be, you'd be better placed at say doing policy advising or helping the government make big decisions, or perhaps you're better at talking with people. So you might look at more of a marketing or business development lens of a business of engineering rather than doing the detail. So I think it's about. Um, finding your strengths and and where you're good at and then placing that with the the difference that you you want to make and finding that kind of of a Venn diagram here where those things overlap um, where you can make that impact that you want to make. So in your mind and considering where you've gone in your career, a director of boards, you've started startups, you've basically done it all, would you say to students understanding what those employability skills are and what those soft skills are is really important in those early stages to to know what they're good at, whether it's resilience or communication, and then going from there? Yeah, definitely. I think really understanding yeah, your value and your skill set. Because if there's a problem you want to solve, you want to go, okay, how can I best address that problem? And for me, I'm the person, I love being at the front of the room. I never thought I would say that, particularly growing up and tall poppy syndrome and all that stuff we've got in Australia of people cutting you down. And that for me is that's, I've just got to own that as, as being one of my strengths, even though it's really hard often to put yourself out there or speak in the front of a room or put yourself on social media. So I work really well with someone um, like Nicole Brown, who I think has been interviewed for this podcast as well, where she's really great at the detail and the process. So we work well together. So it's about understanding your strengths so you can best fit with other people. And the world that we're in today, everything is about collaboration and working together. So people are going to need your skills and people are going to need other skills. So I think it really does not matter what skills that you have today or what kind of, you could say, personality traits or leadership qualities, because there's a place for all of them in this collaborative world where we're solving these big problems. So it's a matter of finding out what your skills are and partnering them up with um, with somebody else. And I think there is a balance between innate skills, so things that you're kind of naturally good at, and then also learned skills. So something like resilience, uh, like you shared, is a great example because you're not really born with resilience. You've got to cultivate that over time. So it's it's a balance of working those two different types of skills. Now that you're at a point or back then when you're at a point at university and you realised this is what you've got to do, this is the reason why, this is my purpose, how did that change you as a student? It definitely motivated me to study and I did so badly in my first year. I dropped a subject, then the next semester I failed a subject, then my third semester I failed another subject. So it was basically like doing three subjects for three semesters. So I wanted to finish with my friends. Again, the people pleaser wanting to have friends. Thought maybe uni is my time to make my friends, find my best friend there, who actually I'm still friends with. So I did I did score a best friend out of uni. So I did I did basically three subjects for three semesters in my in my first couple of semesters at uni. So 
I then wanted to finish university with my friends. So I had to go meet with the head of school to convince him that I could do five subjects a semester, which is an extra subject than what the normal workload is of four subjects. And he said, well, look, you failed, you've dropped stuff. Are you really sure that you can complete it? And I said, yes, I really want this degree done out of the way. And I want to get an industry going and making an impact. So Luckily, he was open to that and I convinced him and it actually then helped me accelerate my studies and I completed my degree on time by doing more subjects throughout the semester as well. So did you know where you wanted to go or what you wanted to achieve within your career, even in those stages of university? Absolutely no idea. No clue. And I think because there was no engineers in my family, I had not really been in a workplace before. When I was at school, I worked at Woolies and did babysitting and they were kind of the only experiences of work that I had. So it was quite hard for me to visualise and picture what work would be like. And particularly in an industry like engineering, there's a lot of traditional perspectives, I think, of, you know, you graduate uni, you get a job, you're an engineer, you're a graduate engineer, engineer, senior engineer, and it's this linear pathway. But careers today, uh, like Cheryl Sandberg talks about, is they're a jungle gym. They're all different directions. You might have sideways moves to get the skills you need or uh, might accelerate more quickly than you anticipated or even retrain and go back and do something different. So there's so many different options today and it's certainly not what I expected. So if we go back to the the time when you were talking about doing five subjects in order to finish it and you, you mentioned there because you wanted to go out in the world and make a difference... What was that difference going to be? I think part of it was as a civil engineer, which is my background, I can go out and see, oh, there's a road, there's a building. They're the kinds of things that civil engineers work on. And I love this idea of engineers shaping the fabric of society where, you know, when you do a building, you might notice this next time you walk into a building, but it's easy to find the toilets because they're usually near the elevator because that's where the core of the building is. So often when I go into a building, I'm analysing where is everything. Yeah, how does it work? Where's the columns? Where's the load distribution? My husband thinks I'm a bit crazy or I'll drive along a road and be like, oh, they've got great drainage there and it's amazing how it rains. You don't see the water all up. Oh, wow, they've got some really great grass swales over there. That's amazing. Uh, only an engineer would think like that. Everything around you is being designed by an engineer whether it's your iPhone, your computer, whatever you're listening through this podcast on, it's all been designed by engineers. And so we have such power, I think, to literally shape the world around us by designing things differently. And so it's almost for me, not a matter of here's this exact thing I want to go change, but the impact that I could have every day. So working on road projects, I'm getting people home to their families safer. I'm making sure there's not road accidents happening as frequently so parents can go home to their children. And I think it's more around that bigger picture. It doesn't, for me, matter exactly what the project is. It's about having um, that kind of impact. Do you think students coming through, engineering students, would understand the difference that they can potentially make? I think almost sometimes it's underrated the impact that engineers can have. And I think engineers can often be very humble because we sort of say, oh, we're just getting on with our job. We're just doing what we need to do as engineers. It's not a big deal. But if you really think about what we can do, it's so incredible and so amazing. And, you know, you wouldn't have been able to drink a glass of water this morning without an engineer. So, I think students often don't see the full kind of gamut of what 
is possible with engineering and and the full impact that you can make. Um, I think, well, for me personally, I was just freaking out about passing exams at uni. I wasn't thinking about anything beyond that. I thought, get my degree and let me get a job. So it's certainly changed now that I've been in industry and I've actually worked on projects where I can drive down a road in Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne and point at it and go, I helped make that happen, which is pretty cool. How do you think you can change that dynamic for the students coming through so they have much more of a perception of of what's possible? I think part of it is having real world projects in university and I'm doing some work with Swinburne about this at the moment where uh, every one of our degrees in STEM from next year will actually have industry-based learning. So we're integrating it directly into the the program, uh, into the, the course curriculum. But if that's not something that your university offers, there's still a lot of ways that you can do that. I think companies are so open to work experience and to have students going out and working within their organisation. So it's about trying that variety of industry experiences but also you don't have to limit it to going in in more the traditional sense there's so much you can do as an engineer um there are great examples of teenagers if you just look at the tedx or ted talks by teenagers you'll see kids building nuclear i'm going to get it wrong whether it's fusion or fission reactor and is the good one the one that doesn't have all the bad stuff he built one of those in his back garden or there's, you know, McKinley Butson, who is a scientist in uh, from Wollongong, and she built a, um, a breastplate that goes over people who have breast cancer to stop the radiation on half their body. And she invented that when she was 16. So you don't need to have an engineering or science degree to start trying these things out and making an impact. I think it's all about your perception of yourself and your creativity and initiative. I think everyone can actually go out and, and do this kind of work. You don't need to have graduated to make it happen. What would you do differently if you were to go through high school and university again? I think I would love to stop worrying about what people think. And that's a really easy thing to say and a hard thing to do. And I think I was actually just talking about this to someone yesterday is not worrying that you have something to prove and being really who you are. And that's a real journey because sometimes I think we think we know that and then we discover something new about ourselves. and I guess that's the whole interesting journey of life is is figuring those things out but I really wish I just stopped to think about what my strengths are what value I can add and just testing that out and it's and it is a process I love knowing the answer straight away I think that's a trait of engineers of just figuring out the problem that whole concept of, of finding your strengths can take time to work out and it's constantly changing so I wish I backed myself and my value a lot more when I was at school and um and university and almost you know didn't take no for an answer just kept going even though I got pushed back which is something I did a lot more of later in my career Felicity, it's been great to talk to you about your high school and your university experience. Uh, In our next episode, we're going to talk to you about your career success as well. Knowing your sense of worth and building up your confidence can be tricky, just as Felicity says. So it's important that students are able to take the time to really understand themselves, take note of their strengths and work at improving their skills and honing their abilities. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series. Assault Studios production.